This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Today is Wednesday, June the 17th, and this is Bentley Manning uh, coming to you from the Church of the Incarnation in Highlands, North Carolina. This is Callan Day, also coming to you from the same place. So we're coming to you after a couple weeks of a break because Bentley was on vacation. Um, just wondering how, how that was, Bentley, how time with the family went. Yeah, it was wonderful, uh, as you all know, especially those of you who have children. Um, our two little girls have been kind of cooped up in the house. So we, we went down to the beach um, down on the Gulf, and it gave uh, the girls and all of us a chance to uh, spread out a little bit uh, and run around uh, by the water, which was really good. I think it was it was needed. It was helpful. Um, and we all loved it, but I think the kiddos most especially loved the change of scenery. And didn't you have sort of a big family event also in the tail end of that vacation, Bentley? We did, and this is this is part of the reason we headed out of town. So Leslie's little sister um, was ordained to the diaconate uh, this past week in Montgomery, Alabama, at St. John's Episcopal Church in Montgomery. So she was ordained. Uh, she's been at the Seminary of the Southwest. Uh, is going. To, she was ordained in the Diocese of Alabama, but will be heading back to uh, West Texas. And how was it being at an ordination during the time of COVID? Yeah, so it, it was different, Kellen. I mean, I think the, the, the folks at the service were family and a handful of close friends. Um, we all had masks on. We were all uh, distanced uh, one from another. And so that was different. Uh, we didn't sing, but, but the, the organist there was wonderful. And there was a soloist in the back of the church. St. John's is a huge space. Uh, so they were able to uh, sing in the back of the church, a soloist was. And, and so that brought a lot of warmth to the service. Um, but it was certainly different, as as everyone's experience of worship is feeling a bit different nowadays. Yeah, a couple Saturdays ago, um, I watched three ordinations um, via live stream, and I both, you know, was filled with joy for the church that they were figuring out how to do this essential work in this hard time, and also, you know, just sad <laughs> for my friends who were ordained. Um, you know, kind of alone, of course, not alone, right? The communion of saints are always there and we were watching and praying with them, but wasn't the sort of fullness of the sign of the um, church that you would hope for at ordinations. Right. I think, I mean, so much of, of our common life together now feels like we're missing something because we are, we're missing each other. We're missing physical bodies together. So no, I wrote this song with all the Nothing you haven't heard before, but I mean it more today. Believe me when I say, I thank God I miss you. 
I thank God I miss you. One of the things, though, Kellen, uh, from this ordination that was particularly powerful for me was at the service, uh, the rector there, Robert Wisniewski, preached, and he has been at St. John's Montgomery well over 20 years. Um, I want to say it's probably getting something closer to 25 years. And he preached a sermon about the work of a deacon, about ministry within the church, um, And there's something powerful, authentic, genuine when you hear a minister pass on some wisdom, but particularly a minister that's been doing this for a long, long, long time. He knows of what he speaks. And we we were reading the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus sends uh, his disciples out, and he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. And Robert was reflecting, you could tell, a bit on his own ministry and what that looked like. Um, He cautioned Lucy and said, oftentimes we think the wolves are outside, but as it is, there are many wolves with inside the church. Um, And then went on to say, uh, you'll have colleagues, other priests, who will quickly start complaining about how difficult and awful their job is. Uh, It's a sign that they're turning into wolves also. So I found myself convicted, moved, Um, you know, thinking a bit about my own ordination, my own ministry that I share with my colleagues. Um, And it was a powerful part of the service. Robert has given me a lot to think about. Yeah, you've shared that story or that um, sort of sermon illustration with me a couple of times since you've been back. So I know you're kind of mulling it over um, and wondering if you just want to say a little bit more about that, like why it struck you. Um. Well, I think it struck me because uh, there's a truth to it. Anyone that's been in the church for just a little bit knows that unfortunately uh, it's within this, the body, within this community where um, you see people's teeth you can see people behaving like wolves, and that's including priests, including priests, which right. was Robert's point. Right. In fact, he started off the sermon by talking about going to a wedding, and he was officiating at the wedding. And on his way back, the wedding party, the uh, the parents of the bride or groom said, "You know, we don't want you to drive back to Montgomery. You need to jump on an airplane." Uh, so Robert. Uh, got his stuff together, had his collar on because he was still working that day. And he tells the story that he brought his golf clubs because that's what, you know, he wanted to do when he was with some folks is play a little bit of golf. And he was actually outside of the state of Alabama and in Georgia where the cost of liquor is much lower. So he thought it was important uh, to get some some cases of uh, liquor (laughs) uh, to bring home. And when he got to the Uh, airplane, the pilot noticed uh, his golf bags, his boxes of liquor, and him boarding this private plane. And he asked him directly, what kind of preacher are you? And so Robert uh, didn't, he left that question hanging uh, and and asked Lucy, my sister-in-law, what kind of preacher, what kind of minister she would be. Um, I don't know how that's connected to the wolves. It might not be, but he really asked us to think about what kind of church we want to be, what kind of Christians uh, we're called to be, 
uh, and what kind of leaders um, Christ is inviting us to become. So, so anyway, I mean, that's a little more detail. I'm, I, I'm still chewing on all of this. It was a wonderful sermon. Sounds like it. All right, Cal, and that's enough about my time away. When I came back, you said that you had a, at a, an adventure this past weekend that you went rafting. And of, of course, I love the river. <laughs> I love being on the water. So I'm curious about your time on, on top of a raft on top of the river. Yeah, it was a very Bentley activity. That's what I, that's what I was reflecting on. Was Bentley would love this activity. You'd probably love it more if you were in a kayak. But yeah, so we rafted the Nantahala, um, kind of the long section of the river this past Saturday. Um, some friends came down to visit me and Kai. And um, I told you that it was maybe the best day of the year. And I don't really have like specifics of why that was, you know, but after... Um, at the end of the day, when you're sitting on Lake Sequoia and eating like good barbecue with friends that you've known for over a decade, and you've spent the whole day just like hanging out on a raft, laughing and like dunking in the river, it's like a great day. <laughs> and and I don't usually spend time on a river. That's not like my place. Like I spend time at crags, like rock climbing or in the woods, hiking. And so it was just like this new uh, landscape to fall in love with. And I would like to go back. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. So I think part of this river stuff, I, I love to kayak, right? But sometimes I think that's a conduit for me just to get on the water. Yeah. Right. Give it a, a canoe, a kayak, a paddleboard. I mean, at the end of the day, who really cares? I think what's amazing is you get a totally different vantage point. Mm-hmm on everything on really. everything and it feels kind of cozy and in, in one way but then like it was sunny but a little cloudy that day so the light kept kind of like falling um on trees differently and it was just it was magical i was like there's no place like the river yeah you're also <laughs> forced i think in terms of different vantage point i'm thinking like you're forced to go with the flow Right. right to use a cliche. There's no fighting, no matter how you kind of stuck calm or and turbulent the, the water is. Yeah, you're kind of stuck. You're just kind of stuck. You have to work with the river. Yeah, yeah, and I mean there are like some obstacles that you have to like see, and you're, it's it's a practice in like attentiveness on one hand, but also like relaxation on the other. So it's like a nice, uh, yeah, it's just a really lovely. Um, Lovely way to spend a day. All right. I know that the Nantahala, like the rest of uh, the creeks and rivers up here, is a, it's a cold river. And you said you jumped in. How was that? It was great. I mean, we like pulled over to eat our sandwiches at like a little, what are those things called? Where the water... Eddy. An eddy. Yes, that's it. And um, it was like 3 p.m. It was a late lunch. And I was so hot. And the raft got so hot. And I was like, all right, I'm going in this cold river. So the... Um, Outdoor center said it was like 45 degrees, but I think that's like the bottom of the river. It did not feel that cold to me. Well, something I've noticed, Kel, and this might be because you're from Michigan, <laughs> is that you you seem a little more willing than the rest of us to jump into cold bodies of water. Yeah, I mean, Lake Michigan rarely gets 
to be warm. And if it does, it's in September. <laughs> You've already been in the lake a hundred times throughout the summer. So I'm kind of used to cold water. But it really wasn't that cold and it felt wonderful um, on a hot Saturday. Awesome. Well, if you ever want to go kayaking, I think you might know a couple of people that can help with that. River run through the trees. Carve the path that you please. Where do your waters lead? I will go and see. So, speaking of being um, dunked in the water, um, we've decided that we want to look at Paul's epistle to the Romans instead of the gospel text this week. Um, it falls in line with our Bible study and our study of Romans, and um, it's about baptism. All right, so our reading comes specifically from the sixth chapter of Romans. It's verses 1 through 11, and Paul asks the question, which is not his question. I think it's a question that others might be asking, and he says, should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? And his answer, not surprisingly, is uh, one that says, by no means, uh, we shouldn't go on sinning uh, in order that grace may abound. And then Paul reminds the believers in Rome that they have already died to sin, and they have died to sin in their baptism. And if they have died to sin um, with Christ and his death, then they will live um, and yeah, so I think I think Paul's words here uh, help get rid of any notion that baptism is some type of life insurance policy, right? It's not simply about getting our life secured uh, through this ritual act, but it's a it is a it's a baptism is complete immersion into the very life of God, such that our whole lives, our very being is transformed. So that to ask such a question, you know, should we continue sinning, misses the point that our very lives have been bound up with God's own life uh, through baptism. And so if sin is, is separation from God, baptism, uh, our incorporation into Christ's very life overcomes that separation fully. But I also think that like Paul is sort of confronting the Romans here and that, you know, he asks, how can we who have died to sin go on living in it? Um, And he's sort of saying, like, y'all are still sinning and you've been baptized. You should, you know, you should have died to the sin. Um, Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Um, Somehow that, that consideration, that knowledge of being alive in Christ Jesus for Paul is, um, is the thing that fuels his continued um, growth and transformation in the spirit. Which then, Callan, makes me think, um, how often do we uh, disregard the gifts that we've been given? Life itself is a gift. Our very being is a gift from God. And baptism, of course, is a gift. And what we do with that gift might make all the difference. Right. I've, yeah, I do feel like Paul is sort of saying, like, you've been given the, the most treasured gift, and and what are you doing with it? You know, you've sort of um, squandered it in some ways. And that gift in, in my heart and mind is to be fully alive in Christ. Um, 
to quote a church father, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. And sin, um, in all of its forms and manifestations, prevents us from being fully alive, which is the gift we've been offered in baptism and in Christ, is that God longs for us uh, to, to be fully alive, no longer held captive to sin. This is a prayer from our prayer book um, during a service of baptism. It's called the Thanksgiving over the water. We thank you, almighty God, for the gift of water. Over it, the Holy Spirit moved in the beginning of creation. Through it, you led the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt into the land of promise. In it, your son Jesus received the baptism of John and was anointed by the Holy Spirit as the Messiah, the Christ, to lead us through his death and resurrection from the bondage of sin into everlasting life. We thank you, Father, for the water of baptism. In it, we are buried with Christ in his death. By it, we share in his resurrection. Through it, we are reborn by the Holy Spirit. Amen. As always, thank you for listening into our podcast today. We have a couple of updates about reopening the church, reopening our doors uh, for in-person worship. We met as a vestry this past week, and we've come up with uh, an outline of a plan to get back together at the beginning of July. Right, but that plan has some parameters around it. So the in-person worship will be outside worship um, on Sunday evening and at some point on Wednesday. We'll have to have less than 25 people at each of those services. Um, And then we're going to move to live streaming with a small group, less than 10 folks on Sunday morning at 1030. And those folks will be the, um, the people who are kind of essential for worship, but we're not opening yet for indoor worship at this point. And one other piece of this is we've been offering morning prayer on Facebook uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, As you all know, morning prayer has been part of our practice uh, for a while now, and 
we are going to be moving back to in-person morning prayer Monday through Friday here at the church with less than 10 people at the beginning of July. So in the meantime, please continue to check in uh, online and be on the lookout uh, for emails that will update you on our uh, regathering efforts. We love you. We miss you. God's peace.